Good evening, everybody. Welcome. My name is Maggie. I'm part of the team here at the table. We're glad that you chose to make it out tonight. Um, and a special hello to everyone joining us on our live stream. Kiddos, you have been such a joy to have with us in worship. Thanks for being here, all of you. If you would like to go see your teachers, they're standing right back there. We'll see you after the service. I know, I just, one after another. <laughs> um, friends, what, I just want to start off first by um, just acknowledging it's a, it's a tough season, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, we want you to know that um, it's top of, top of radar, it's top priority for us. Conversations we're having even this week, we will keep you posted with what we know. And in that same vein, um, our book club that's normally scheduled for the last Thursday of the month will definitely be a Zoom call. So if you are part of that group, if you'd like to join it for the first time, you can get all those details online, but it definitely will be um, a virtual book club. Um, we had a terrific um, Christmas Eve service if you were able to join us. Thanks so much for being part of that. It's our tradition to always send the Christmas offering outside the doors of our church community, and we, um, we were able to put together and come up with um, over $2,000 that we sent to our partner, Ace in the City, and they are just um, doing incredible work of... Yeah, we can clap for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Ace in the City has this um, just beautiful focus on creating spaces, place-making, they call it, um, in the Powderhorn neighborhood and around uh, in South Minneapolis. So we are grateful to partner with them, and thank you for your generosity. Um, if you would like to partner with us on the work that we're doing, um, lots of ways to do that. You can give online on our website, thetablempls.com. Click the Giving tab. and We have this fancy wooden box over here if you would like to throw your checks and cash in there tonight. Um, and, and, of course, as always, if you want to stay up to date with what's happening at the table, you want to know about if we've got service in person, if it's not in person, all of those things, the best way to do that to stay up to date is to sign up for our text line. And you can do that by texting the word TABLE to 33222, and I will, I will keep you abreast of all of the goings-on. Um, so thank you for doing that. Um, Debbie asked me to read the scripture tonight. So we are going to be in John verse 1, John chapter 1 rather, verse 1. And this is um, going to be on our screen, I think, as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, he came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Good to see everyone, actually. I'm a little bit surprised at the turnout. We were thinking it was really going to be low in numbers just because there's lots of people that, Matt, like Maggie referred to, that are quarantining or have COVID or trying to protect themselves as they're getting ready for a trip or, or um, a surgery and things like that. So welcome. So glad you're here. And the first thing I was thinking about is that I, you know, I don't think any of us thought we would be in this spot in this moment, right? And for me, I'm talking literally. Because on Tuesday, I got a text from Matt Moberg, and, and in fairness to us, I got to give you a little context. We plan the preaching schedule a couple months ahead, and we sit down and go, hey, you know, what's the series? What are we going to do? When do you want to preach? All that stuff. But Tuesday, he texts me, did we ever do the preaching, ser- the, uh, preaching schedule? And I said, simple text back, nope. And the text I got be- received back from him was, well, Lauren and I had an offer for a condo down in Florida. Do I need to tell him no because Debbie wasn't willing to preach the gospel on Sunday night? So here I am preaching the gospel to y'all and glad to be doing it. Glad to be doing it. And, and in, in, in truth, and our team would attest to this, we are so happy that Matt can get away for a week. Um, we're really happy he's away for a week because he doesn't like the cold. So it's good, not, it's good that he can be there. But it's January 2nd the eve of my 41st wedding anniversary, January 3rd. And I bet you all are thinking, gosh, they must have been really young. Now, I'm not saying that because of the way we look. I'm saying it because who else but a really young couple would choose January 3rd to get married in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, 20 below zero in the middle of their senior year. Nope, you couldn't wait till you graduated, but you needed to do it January 3rd. And it also reveals how young we were because there was no foresight or wisdom in thinking about what it might be to celebrate an anniversary on January 3rd. Because most of our years after a busy Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and company and groceries and, and spending lots of money, we were exhausted and we were always broke. So we actually shifted and started celebrating in the fall. But tomorrow we will celebrate 41 years um, and, and that's a good thing. But I was serious um, when I started saying, I don't think any of us with the big picture COVID thought that we'd be right here as we looked out to 2022. I don't know about you all, but when New Year's comes, um, I do a lot of reflecting, looking back as we all get ready to look forward. And it's hard to look back and not have everything colored by COVID, by the pandemic. And you really have to include almost two years in that, I think. And one of the things that came to me was the thing I miss most is physical presence. Being to be able to be with people physically. And it became very clear to me in the first year of the pandemic. Oh, we were six months in and and everyone was very strict. I mean, I wasn't even taking like uh, distanced walks with people. And a friend had a 50th um, surprise birthday party and it was outside. There's a lot of community there, a lot of people I hadn't seen at all in six months. And, you know, we went there and we were spread out, but gosh, as the night went on and the conversations were just so wonderful and it was so hard not to hug each other, there was some hugging that happened at that gathering and I had to 
go home and confess to my husband that I had hugged some people, but I'll tell you, it was so life-giving. And I remembered in that moment how much I miss. I miss people. And I've heard from a lot of you that it's been the same thing, just being together, that physical presence. And I do think it's the pandemic that has brought that home to us, the importance of physical presence. Now, thankfully, right, for all the amazing technology, I mean, I'm grateful that at least we could connect with people electronically, you know, if you're a Zoom call or FaceTime and things like that. But it's been heartbreaking for some of the things that just need to be done in person, saying our goodbyes. There's been loved ones who have left and we haven't been able to be with them. And in this digital world, yes, we have multiple means of communicating with one another, but yet for all the advances in technology, there's some messages that need to be delivered in person. I think we could think of those, right? A proposal of marriage, the loss of a loved one. Those are things we do in person. I was thinking about the good old days when I was talking about thinking about messages in person. I don't know about you guys, but my kids were growing up, and maybe some of you guys were these people. Like, they tell me about how you text to break up with a boyfriend or you do this stuff not in person. And I'm thinking, what happened to the good old days when I was growing up in the 60s and my sixth grade boyfriend stopped by and knocked on the door and I hid around the corner telling my mom, I'm not here. Tell him I want to break up with him. Like, what happened to those wonderful in-person Messages. Okay, not so healthy. That actually did happen a couple of times. But I do think delivering a message important, it makes a big difference. Because it's not only about saying those words face to face. It's about having this opportunity where we can actually give and receive tangible love and compassion. And it is the pandemic that has driven home for me this lack of being able to be together physically. So, if you're with us all fall, you knew that we were in a couple different sermon series. And Matt and I made the decision that from January to Lent, which is right around the corner, and we'll be planning a Lenten series, we're going to jump back into the Revised Common Lectionary. And as a reminder, that's a three-year sort of series that uh, every week they give us a text from the Hebrew scriptures, from Psalms, from the Gospels, and from the letters. And so as as God would only have it, tonight's text is about physical presence. How how cool did that work out? It was like amazing. And we're in um, John chapter 1. Maggie did a beautiful job just reading that. I wanted you guys to hear the whole context because tonight I'm going to focus on just one verse. But John 1, um, 1 through 18 is really sort of a um, prologue to John's gospel. It really introduces the main themes of the gospel message. And this is as much, John's, John is as much about who God is and what God's up to and who God is committed to, what God is to get committed to as it is a declaration about the word itself. And here's what John gets. This is what he understands. He understands that God's promise, this promise of being with his people always, that that's now taken on a big turn that that is shifted in form, that it's a different representation now, a different representation in the person of Jesus. So the word made flesh and dwelling among us. Now God not only goes with us, but it's who we are as God's people now. God now dwells. 
He dwells with us by taking on our form, our humanity. So we're in John 1, 14. And it's familiar to many of us. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Now the Greek verb translated lived in this version is skino, and it literally means pitched his tent. So just as God traveled with the Israelites through the wilderness um, by means of a tent meeting, this is what John is telling us. He's saying that God's chosen to tabernacle with us, amongst us, and even in a more radical way by the word embodied in flesh. I kind of like that idea of God choosing to put skin on. That's crazy when you think about it. God chooses to put skin on and he walks among us. And here's what's important. It's pivotal to the story. It's pivotal to the gospel story. A story that begins with the redemption of the Hebrew people and it moves to the story of Jesus and his, his birth and his life and his ministry and his disciples and his death and his resurrection. But to me, this is the thing, as I studied this this past few days, that really jumped out to me, that I thought was almost poignant, is that in Jesus, God decided to come closer. I love that idea. God decided to come closer, to deliver that word in person. And that person was God's son. And the word made flesh. I think it brings us a message that maybe we would have found hard to understand otherwise. And that's the beauty of all that, that we get this glimpse through witnesses to Jesus that allow us to see God in a bigger way, in a way that maybe we can understand just a little bit more. So Jesus, fully human, fully divine, walked the earth over 20, or 2,000 years ago, teaching and preaching, and his practices showed us not only about who his nature, who God's nature is, but about God's intent for us as humanity, God's call on our lives. So I think that's the thing. God came closer. And when God comes closer, it changes everything. And it was a physical presence, and that's what's so beautiful about it. And when I think about God coming closer, I can't help but think about Brian Stevenson. Many of you are familiar with Brian Stevenson. Many of you had a chance to hear him speak when he was at CPC, at Christ Presbyterian Church years ago. Um, He's amazing. (laughs) Founder and executive director of the Equal um, Justice Initiative. He's a lawyer. He's an activist. He's a professor at NYU. He's an author. He wrote the book, Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption. There was a movie made about him. And the story, the book he writes, is really a memoir of him graduating from Harvard Law School, heading to Alabama, and fighting the injustices that he finds in the judicial system and the legal system. But here's what I love about his stories. He, he, shares, he shares the calling. He shares how he gets um, to this place where he finds the passion of his life. So while studying law, this is what he tells us, while studying law, he's with a law firm that sends him down to death row so he can tell one of the inmates that actually he's not going to be executed for another year. And what ends up happening is he ends up in a three-hour conversation with this man. And while he's there, while he's proximate, while he's physically close, he's not only able to see the humanity in this man, 
to hear his story, but he also has seen what's around him, the treatment of the inmates, the treatment of this particular man. And what happens in being closer, being in a situation he had never been in, changed his life because he walked out of there called, called to do something about it, called to change a system, change the course of everything. Here's what Brian Stevenson has to say. To change the world, we're going to each have to find ways to get closer to people who are living on the margins of society. It's actually in proximity to the poor that we hear things that we won't otherwise hear, that we'll see things we won't otherwise see. His emphasis is on proximity. And what he says is that he was actually taught that by his grandmother. I love all his stories about his grandmother. They were close. Um, she was so inspirational to him. And he talks about the time that his um, grandmother's in the hospital. The last time he sees her, she got cancer late in life. And he goes to visit her in the hospital. And he says, he says it like this. It's a moment of proximity. So he goes to visit her for one last time. And as he stands up to leave, she opens her eyes. She grabs his hand. And she says this. Brian, do you still feel me hugging you? And as he nods his head, she says, I want you to know that I will always be hugging you. That's a foundation for him. That's what he's living out of. This idea of presence and how it changes a person. And in his book, he talks over and over again and calls people to be proximate to the marginalized in our society. So proximate, he says, that you could wrap your arms around them just as my grandmother wraps her arms around me. So Stevenson goes on to say how his life continued to change as others were willing to be proximate to him. He grew up in rural Delaware, a segregated high school, and he said if it wasn't for a group of lawyers who flooded the area and fought the legal system and desegregated the schools, he wouldn't have the opportunity to go on and get an education, to go on and get his law degree that it was that group of people willing, willing to get closer, to step in, and to be proximate to the system where he grew up. So this physical presence thing, this getting closer, this being proximate, this is really important to our lives as people who follow Jesus. And I think Grandma nailed it the best because one of the quotes he has from her, and Patty, I'll have you throw it up there because it's, it's, this is it, friends, right here from grandma. And he quotes his grandma who says, you can't understand most of the important things from a distance, Brian. You have to get close. She told me all the time, you have to get close. Well, the God who created this world and loves this world, he understands like our need, our longing for physical presence. The word became flesh and pinch, pitched a tent among us. And for us, that means that we cannot move forward. We cannot move forward in creating a just society or a healthy community or healthy family systems, healthy relationships. We cannot move forward if we are disconnected from one another, if we are disconnected from the people that are the most vulnerable to keep moving to the beloved community that God calls us to join him in, 
It means proximity. And when we get close, it will be uncomfortable. And sometimes it will be awkward. And a lot of times we won't know what we're doing. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to get close. What I love about Brian Stevenson's story, and I think it's all of our stories in many ways, is that this idea of getting close, that holds true in all aspects of our life. And the beauty is, is that it's a cycle that perpetuates itself. His experience of closeness, then he's able to do that, to step in and be close to others, and he's able to call others into that, and so on and so on and so on. And that is the life that we're called to. We cannot, we cannot stay away from the bad parts of town. We cannot stay from the bad parts of our own stories. We cannot stay away from the hard relationships, from the hard conversations. We cannot stay away from people that are hurting or sick or suffering because it's too hard for us. We've got to get closer. And I think that's the full life that God calls us to. I was thinking about, and I often have talked about this, that you know, I love the, past, the verse from Micah 6 eight. what does God require you to do? Or what does God require of you? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And I was thinking about if that is what we're, how we're to live our life, who we're to be. We really cannot do any of those things unless we get closer. Because unless I get closer and I see you and I can know you and I can hear your stories... I'm not going to be able to do any of that stuff. It just struck me. But physical presence matters no matter how big, how small, in all the moments of life. And it reminded me as I was looking back over the last couple of years and thinking about COVID, it reminded me of a story of this community. So do you guys remember the first Easter that we were in COVID? And we were like, oh, we'll be back by Easter. Here we are. Um, and uh, if you were there, you would not forget it because we were in the parking lot at Knox Church and we were handing out bags for Easter. And the reason I say you wouldn't forget it is not because of me, but because of Matt, who was dressed in an overly tight pink bunny suit and hopping around with his mask down here, and we we're all like, pull your mask up. But um, I remember as one of the cars pulled up and there was... Uh, a member of our community who Matt and I both knew, um, her father, her elderly father, was in the COVID hospital with COVID. And we happened to just lean our heads in too far, we found later, as people told us, and just say, oh, how is your dad doing? And there were a few tears. And we had said, wow, I don't know if you know, you know, we have lots of docs in this community, and one of the docs, um, Ben Trappe, happened to be at the COVID hospital. We said, I don't know if you know him. No, I don't. Well, would you be okay if we connected you? That would be great. It's really hard to have a loved one in the hospital when nobody can be present. Nobody can be physically present. Well, sure enough, doesn't Ben go that day and become um, this member's father's doctor? And for the next couple days of his life until he passed away, Ben was able to communicate with her and her sister. And, and that, I know from talking to her, gave her so much comfort and I have to imagine for father to have a physical presence, someone invested, someone who got close, someone who was there caring. That's a game changer. And then the other piece of that story is Ben was able to get her sister in to be with her dad as he was dying. 
physical presence matters in all sorts of ways. And I think that's the beauty of this story. I was thinking, um, this isn't even part of what I was going to talk about, but um, I was just thinking about all the other ways that people get close to things and how it changes things. And I've been thinking, Lynn, Steve sent you that thing from that Eden Prairie. There's an Eden Prairie um, kid who ended up at Old Miss being a punter. And he happened, his friend's dad had ALS. And that, knowing his dad, being close to the dad, being proximate, made him passionate about ALS. And he's gotten that whole Old Miss football team, they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for ALS. I mean, I think that's just crazy how we can make such a big difference when we actually see each other and know each other and get close to each other. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I really like that. So I guess I'll end tonight by just saying as, as we enter 2022 and we're not where we thought we would be. And for me, that's kind of the piece maybe that's hard about that is some uncertainty. But gosh, we can walk into that together and be so grateful for all the wonderful things that has happened. All those scientists that are so proximate to the science they're doing that we have great vaccines and that we're moving forward to that. But as we move into 2022, I think about the God we follow, the God that makes all things new. And as we step into what's new and what's next and what could be, I think it'd be great to ask ourselves, where are those places that we need to move a little closer to? Who are those people that we need to move closer to? I think that gives us hope. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that loved us so much that you came to earth. The word became flesh and you dwelt among us and it changed everything. God, help us to never take that for granted, to never not be in awe of the, that amazing, miraculous gift of love that you have given to us. And God, as this community moves uh, into the new year, and as this country, as this world, God, I just pray that we might hang on to the hope that we have in you, a God that does make all things new, and that uh, we can be the people you call us to be to get close, to love one another. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. I think I, I share some sentiments with you, Debbie, in that when I think about 2022, there's so much uncertainty. And I think there's, a, at least for, for me, being vulnerable for a moment, I just feel like, how, how, can I, how can I be hopeful? How can I have hope? And I think that your, your message tonight gives me a good framework for what I, what I do hope for this year. And it's, it's this ability to be proximate again. And I think... Um, we all have those areas of our lives where proximity gets, is costly and you know, staying in relationship with, with people and you know, being in places where um, it's just hard. There's hard and there's sacrifice involved. But I also think we have an incredible example in Jesus Christ who, you know, we're, we're transitioning now into communion time and it's, we look back on the story of Jesus gathering people around the table and what a motley crew, you know, uh, uh, people who nobody wa really wanted to be proximate to. 
And Jesus chose them. He hand-selected them to be his co-creators of a new kingdom that was going to look like no other religious community looked like at that time. And so I think we have um, an excellent model for, for an example of somebody who, who really got, got proximate. And, uh, and I hope that tonight, as, as you take communion, you would remember that um, Jesus also calls you to the same proximity. So if you've got your communion elements with you, now would be the time to get those out. And we say these words, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered in a room with his friends. They sat around the table, and he took bread and broke it. He gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, and it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he poured wine into it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. I've shed it for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So go ahead and you can peel back the top layer of your communion cup and take that bread and hear these words. This is the body of Christ broken for you. As you peel back the second layer, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. You can stay right where you are, and together we're going to say the words that God, that Jesus taught us to say. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks, Christian and Becky. That was a perfect song, I think, to end this service and start the new year out with. Because even in the midst of uncertainty and maybe not knowing quite where we're going or what we're doing, but knowing we are called to get closer, that's the hope we can hang on to, is that God's love has never failed us yet. His faithfulness, that's a promise we can hang on to. You can put your hands out as I give the benediction. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter who you love or what you've lost, no matter the places you've been or the places you've stayed, you always have a place at the table. For you are a beloved child of God. You belong. Go in peace, everybody. Happy New Year.